Welcome to the Geek-tastic Dad podcast. My name is Jason. I'm your friendly neighborhood geek and father of a daughter. So in this podcast, uh, we'll be talking about Chapter 4 of the Player's Handbook, which describes how to build your character's background and personality. Uh, if you're starting on this podcast, I suggest you go back and listen to Episodes 6 through 9 just to get caught up on this segment. If you'd like to visit me on social media or send me an email, point your favorite web browser to geektastic.link slash contact. Uh, if you'd love to support my wonderful habit, you can go to geektastic.link slash support. If you'd like to leave me a voice message and possibly have it played on my podcast or at least talked about, visit geektastic.link slash voicemail. All of these links can be found in the show notes. Please like and subscribe my podcast on your favorite app iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitchers, whatever. Uh, thank you again for joining me. Now let's get started. And once again, it's time for What the Geek. I tweaked the intro just a bit. You'll see. It's still ridiculous, but I love it. I'm going to refer to the show notes for links. And if you don't see those notes in your app, um, have no fear. You can just navigate to geektastic.link slash podcast. And I have all the show notes in there. So without further ado. What the geek? So I finally saw episode one of Loki. And oh my gosh, was it fantastic. So Owen Wilson is on Loki and he's brilliant. Just brilliant. Check out Owen Wilson joins MCU in my show notes for a short YouTube interview with him. I really thought for sure Tom Hiddleston was going to be the center of my entertainment when it came to Loki humor. But Owen Wilson really stole his thunder here. He plays this his normal casual self, the guy whose feathers you just can't ruffle, but it fits with him for some reason, and it, it, it never gets old. Uh, if you haven't seen Loki yet, you need to. Uh, seriously, go see it right away. Well, okay, not right away. Finish listening to my podcast first and then go queue it up. <laughs> All right. All right. If you are an anime fan, um, now is the time to listen up. The Lord of the Rings universe is getting its own anime. It's called The War of Rohirrim. But wait, there's more. It will be directed by Kenji Kamiyama, who also worked on the Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. You can read about it from the Geek Culture, links in the show notes under Lord of the Rings Anime. Let me read you an excerpt from the article. The Battle of Helm's Deep was one of the most iconic cinematic moments that saw the men of Rohan and Lothorian elves stand together in their last bid to fight against Sauron's hordes of Urukai. Before King Theoden and the Fellowship rode out to meet their enemies on the field, the horn Helm Hammerhand was mentioned. Okay, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you know exactly what it what it's talking about there. The War of the uh, Rohirrim will focus on the history of Helm's Deep to explore the same fortress which became the final battle in the Two Towers. Definitely going to keep my eyes on this one for sure. Alright, last topic. Uh, I binged watched Sweet Tooth. And I know it's not really news, but I saw an article on Sci-Fi Wire called What If Sweet Tooth Was Real Life? where New York City filmmaker Michael Kravica created an elaborate animatronic baby that was half human, half owl. And it, they took it out in California pedestrians, or for the California pedestrians to see and react to. 
So there's a link in my show notes called What If Sweet Tooth Was Real Life uh, that goes to the article, which has the video. So there was a wide range of reactions, but I noticed one thing. Many adults kind of recoiled or just stared in this odd disbelief, but the children were curious and kind and, and not at all taken back by it. Um, one little girl did like a little karate kick to show what she'd do if someone tried to be mean to the baby or make fun of it. So, so watching how children reacted just reinforced what I've seen having my own child. Um, I, I believe hatred is learned. Children understand fear. They understand joy. But I question whether most children can truly understand hate without, without it being demonstrated and taught to them. The sheer acceptance by children also reminded me of a quote I read, and I, I wish I could remember where I got it. I can't remember to save my life, but it goes, it goes like this. Children exist between reality and fantasy. And for me, that rings true. As we grow into an adult, we, we can keep that childish spirit to some degree. We can keep our, our imagination, our fantasy, but we'll never be able to kind of slip in between again. And being a parent allows us to experience some of that as we watch our children live their lives and grow up. So I, that was kind of neat to watch. So watch the video. You'll enjoy it. So that's it for the What the Geek segment. Now on to the podcast. Thank you again for joining me at Geektastic Dad. As I mentioned before, I'll be talking to you about the Player's Handbook Chapter 4, Personality and Background. This chapter is where the magic starts to happen with your character. I mean, forget stats, forget weapons, forget picking your spells. Let's get down and dirty with what your character looks like and who your character really is. So this chapter is focused on physical characteristics, alignment, languages, personality characteristics, and backgrounds, or as I like to call it, your origin story. Um, and we'll start with physical characteristics. The phrase, describe what your character looks like, is probably the most common sentence in the history of DMs during session zero. Before you show up for that first session, or what we call session zero, where you get to know each other, get to know your characters, get to finalize everything, take a moment, close your eyes, and imagine your character. Is he tall or short? Does she have red hair? What color eyes does he have? How much does she weigh? Believe it or not, there are a few rolls of the dice that you can use to start creating some of those attributes. But most of it is stuff that you're going to have to come up with. So the first thing you want to determine is the name and gender of your character. To me, this is, this is super fun. I love picking a great name. I have a kender named Talon Thistlenot. Yeah, I know, you Dragonlance fans get it. Maybe you want to be mysterious. Go by the name of Tanil Eleron. Or something more grounded like Fulrek Beerus. Have some fun with this part. If you're struggling to find a name, uh, you can visit fantasynamegenerator.com. It's in the show notes. You can get a link there. Some of the names get really hard to pronounce there. So a lot of the times I'll take one that looks kind of neat and clean it up a bit so that I can actually pronounce it. Okay, great. You have your name. Now, what's next? Let's talk height and weight. You can pick something at random if you really want to. Or if you're like me and you just like rolling dice, you can do that too. Uh, you'll find height and weight chart in Chapter 4 of the Player's Handbook. Based on your character's race, you can roll dice and add it to the base height and the base weight to come up with your character's size. So for example, let's say you're playing a gnome. Gnomes have a base height of 2 feet 11 inches, the little folk. They have a height modifier of 2d4 inches. So what you're going to do is roll two four-sided dice. 
and add that as inches to your gnome's base height. So let's say we rolled a two and a three on our d4s for a total of five. Uh, added to the base of two feet, 11 inches, my gnome is now three feet, four inches tall. You'll do the same thing for weight. Now, gnomes and halflings don't really have much of a weight modifier that's like plus one. So for this example, let's look at a tiefling who has a base weight of 110 pounds and a weight modifier of 2d4 pounds. Once again, I'm going to roll my two four-sided dice and add that to the base. So let's say I rolled a three and a four this time for seven. My tiefling with a base of 110 pounds is now 117 pounds. Simple enough. You don't have to use this method. You can choose your character's weight and height on your own. Uh, the table's there if you prefer to leave it to chance. If not, that's fine too. You be you. Now, there are other characteristics you need to consider that they don't provide roll tables for, such as age, hair color, eye color, skin tone, any distinctive markings like birthmarks, scars, tattoos. Maybe your character is hunched back or walks with a limp. These are, these are the things you're going to have to decide on. Now, you could create your own roll tables, but it seems faster just to choose what you want, right? All right, so that's it for the physical characteristics. Now, alignment and languages. Alignment has been an age-old tradition for D&D for as long as I can remember. Alignment describes two dimensions of your character, your character's morality and their social influence, or their ability to be influenced by social norms. Morality comes in three flavors, good, evil, and neutral. And then the social attitudes come in three flavors as well, lawful, chaotic, or neutral. These will make more sense when you start breaking it down more. So let's, let's start with good. So think of good alignment as doing things that help others, uh, and the lawful, chaotic, neutral part determines more or less how social pressures might impact you doing those good things or your character doing those good things. Lawful good can always be counted on to do what's right based on social norms or what society says is right. You'll see a lot of paladins who are lawful good. Think of it as the knight's code. You do good and right and you act honorably because you are sworn to a moral code based on social paradigms. Uh, whereas chaotic good character does what he or she believes is the right thing with little regard to what social pressures say to do. Think of it like this. A lawful good character will never steal no matter what circumstances are. It is morally wrong because there is a common social understanding that stealing is wrong. Whereas chaotic good character will absolutely steal a loaf of bread to feed a starving child. Neutral good is a bit trickier. They do as much good as they can based on their own needs. So if the needs of the character outweighs the needs of the other party or the other people, good may or may not happen. Evil has a similar outlook. A lawful evil character will absolutely do what they want and do harm to others, but will still live by a code or traditions. They are bound to the social norms of their evil community, if you will. Uh, Neutral evil will do whatever they can get away with, and chaotic evil is like pure anarchy and rage. Um, now there's neutral, what we used to call this true neutral, so it's just neutral neutral, if you will. They prefer to avoid any sort of moral question and refuse to take sides. They do what seems best in the moment, but generally don't align to any sort of faction or they don't take sides. 
Neutral characters are by far the most annoying for DMs because they are the much harder to manipulate and motivate, in my humble opinion at least. Now races and some classes are more prone to specific alignments. For example, I mentioned paladins are almost always lawful, well they're always lawful, but they're almost always lawful good. They are insufferable do-gooders. Now druids are more often neutral or neutral good. Uh, there's a race of dark elves, the drow, who are more often found to be of evil alignment. When you have creatures who are unable to form rational thought, uh, they're considered unaligned because they don't have the capacity to make a moral or ethical decision. So I'm going to jump into languages real quick, then move on. Languages are based a lot on your race. So if you're an elf, you'll get elven as a language. There are standard languages which include common. Uh, I mentioned this before. Common is basically whatever language you speak outside of the game. So for me, it's English. Common languages are the languages of the core races. Um, not common the language, the common languages. <laughs> that was confusing. Uh, there are also exotic languages, which are things like Draconic, which is a language of dragons, or Infernal, which is a language of devils and demons. Um, and there's a, neat, a few neat alphabets in this section, which are kind of fun to review. You might be able to use that in the game. Now we're moving on to personal characteristics, which the Player's Handbook defines as the array of traits, mannerisms, habits, beliefs, and flaws that give a person a unique identity. There are four basic categories, which include personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. But much like the physical characteristics, it doesn't end there. You should also consider other parts of your character's personality, like common phrases you use, any gestures or tics. Uh, what is your character like? What kind of pet peeves does your character have? All of this gets wrapped up into your character's persona, who he or she is. Uh, so personality traits, the first of the four categories. The Player's Handbook suggests giving your character two personality traits, which are ways to set your character apart from others which is ironic because they have tables for the personality traits based on predefined backgrounds. One suggestion from the player's handbook is to think about your character's highest and lowest ability score and define one trait related to each. Your highest could be your positive or maybe even your negative trait uh, and vice versa. Or, as I said, you can just roll for it. Whatever you choose, be specific. They caution about nebulous terms on traits like I'm smart or I'm always happy uh, they're not good enough. Look at the roll table and you'll see things like, I am tolerant or intolerant of other faiths and respect or condemn the worship of other gods. Or maybe sarcasm and insults are my weapon of choice. Uh, you should also note that you're not limited just to, you can have more if you want. So ideals, um, ideals are those things that we believe in strongly those things that we hold so sacred that we'd never betray them no matter what. Your character will need ideals as well. So this drives your character to go out and adventure. What inspires your character to risk his or her life to confront evil? So think of what drives your character at a fundamental level. What is the single most important thing for your character to strive for? Again, there are, there are role tables for ideals, uh, but ideals are tied to your alignment too. So if you look under the background folk hero, on the ideals freedom, which is described as tyrants must not be allowed to oppress people. This ideal is considered chaotic. Uh, whereas if you look under the background noble, the ideal responsibility described as it is my duty to respect the authority 
of those above me just as those below me must respect mine. Well, this is tied to a lawful alignment. If you want to understand alignments better, read through the ideals and consider how they tie to the alignment. Even neutral characters are driven by ideals. Take, for example, the background for Guild Artisan. The ideal sincerity is described as there is no good in pretending to be something I'm not, which is aligned to neutral. Just like the rest of these traits, you are free to choose your own ideals. They don't have to come from the table provided. In fact, you don't have to choose a prepackaged background at all. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but look at your alignment and consider your character at his or her core, what drives him or her, and just make sure it collaborates with your character's alignment. So now bonds. I find bonds to be particularly intriguing, and they're difficult for me when I create a character. Bonds represent your character's most valued relationship, whether it's a person, place, or even an event. Bonds are worldly. They tie the character to the campaign setting, to the world they're living in. And it could be one of those things that inspires your character to become heroic. According to the player's handbook, Bonds answers the questions, Whom do you most care about? What place do you feel most connected to? And or what is your most treasured possession? Now the player's handbook says that your bonds might be tied to your class, background, race, or some aspect of your character's history or personality. For me, bonds are a way of really inserting some personality into your character. So some examples of bonds that are there. The sage has a bond uh, that says, it is my duty to protect my students. Uh, and the hermit has a bond. I enter... Uh, I entered seclusion because I love someone I could not have. For DMs, bonds is a great way to motivate the character to embark upon an adventure to begin with. Let's say you have a soldier whose background with the bond, uh, my honor is my life. Then as the DM, all you have to do is find a way to taint the character's honor, and he or she will set out to fix that. Or maybe one of your players picked the outlander and the background... His ideals is, I suffer awful visions of coming disaster and will do anything to prevent it. Well, that's easy. You make that disaster become a reality, and he'll hit the road to prevent it. You can choose bonds that are in the player's handbook under the background of your choice, or you can create your own. Either way, I feel this is one part of your character's personality trait. Uh, it's actually a big part of your character and how your character will behave in the world. You can gain more bonds as you go. So you're not limited to just the one, you, then they can change. So this doesn't have to be a one-time thing. So flaws. Flaws can be fun. This is a vice, a compulsion, a fear, a weakness that your character has. It's something that others can use to exploit or even try to ruin your character. Manipulation. Your character's flaw is the most significant negative trait your character has. It can be that thing that enrages your character, something your character is terrified of, or that vice that distracts your character and threatens to destroy them. Flaws can be really fun, too. Look at the Outlander background with the flaw. There is no room for caution in life lived to the fullest. Sounds to me like a reckless barbarian who rushes into battle before the rest of the group has had a chance to even assess the threat. What about a character with the criminal background and the flaw? I have a tell that reveals when I'm lying. Now, that could end up being hysterical. Uh, and just as any other of these traits, you can create your own flaws, but in my humble opinion, there's some really great ones in the player's handbook. So read through those and have some fun. Now, before I move on to backgrounds, I want to touch on inspiration. It's just a, almost a side note in the player's handbook in this section. 
So the 5th edition rules have a built-in way for the DM to reward characters for being true to their personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws, which they call inspiration. When a character has inspiration, that allows the character to have advantage on attack rolls, saving throws, or ability checks. To be honest, I haven't really used inspiration in a game that much, uh, but it is there if you want to use it. I just wanted to point that out. So now let's talk about your origin story, your character's background. You can choose from a number of backgrounds provided in this chapter, or you can customize your own background. Now, backgrounds do have benefits, whether you do customer or the prepackaged ones. Each background gives your character a proficiency in two skills. Um, you get some sort of a tool. Uh, you often get to learn a new language and beyond what's normally learned by their race. And you get a unique package of starting equipment. And as we've already discussed, there are a number of suggested characteristics, like the personality traits, the flaws, the bonds, etc. So let's talk about customizing your background first, then we'll go into some of the prepackaged ones. If you want to make your background, instead of using an existing template, it's, it's pretty easy to do. You choose a feature, we call them feats. You choose any two skills, choose a total of two tool proficiencies or languages. So one tool, one language, two languages, whatever. Uh, use an existing equipment package or spend a coin to buy your gear. And then you choose two personality traits. Uh, one ideal, one to bond, and one flaw. Of course, all of this will be depend on your DM because whoever's running your campaign may require you to actually use the existing backgrounds or may have tweaks to the starting equipment, etc. I know I usually set up um, standard Dungeoneering kit. Uh, most of this is predefined on a DM permission basis, because a DM is a dungeon master after all. There are 13 backgrounds to choose from in the player's handbook. Uh, I'm not going to have time to go through all of them. I think that would bore you anyhow, but I'd at least like to walk you through three of my favorites. So the first is Folk Hero. Imagine being a big fish in a small pond, yet wanting more. Luckily for the Folk Hero, he's destined for more. Some like someone with the folk hero background comes from humble beginnings, a legend in a small village. You are called forth to become a champion for the little people everywhere. So folk heroes get two proficiencies, animal handling and survival. Um, he'll get one type of artisan's tools, which is like an alchemist supplies, uh, cobbler's tools, smith tools, tinkerer's tools, etc. Uh, the standard equipment for the folk hero, in addition to the tools, uh, includes a shovel, an iron pot, common clothes, and a pouch of 10 gold. One thing I haven't mentioned thus far is that some of these backgrounds have a unique twist to it. Uh, for the folk hero, there's a defining moment, which is that moment when the average commoner became the hero. You stood up to a tyrant, led a militia to fend off an invading army. You got a blessing or a secret revealed from a celestial or fae or something similar to that. Something happened and your character became a folk hero. Backgrounds also come with uh, a feat. And for the folk hero, that feat is rustic hospitality, which is being able to find a place to rest and recuperate amongst other common folk. Unless, of course, they think you're going to be dangerous, but they'll even shield you from law enforcement and others who might be searching for you, though they won't risk their lives for you. Won't go into all the different characteristics uh, characteristics like the personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. So if you want to know more about those, definitely read about them in your player's handbook. 
I love the folk hero background because it's a classic tale of the underdog becoming something more out of necessity and doing good in the world. You start as a humble face in a small village and become a world-renowned hero that bards will sing tales about for eons. There's something special in that tale. Uh, the other one, another one I like is a criminal. So <laughs> a criminal, your life experience is pretty much breaking the law. You hang out with criminals, you know the dark underbelly of society and you're good at it. Probably have a few shady friends or more. Uh, you taunt law enforcement and you scoff social regulations because you've made your living on the wrong side of righteousness. So as a criminal, you gain a proficiency in deception and stealth. Surprise, surprise. Uh, of course, you get a set of thieves tools and one gaming set, probably for like conning gamblers or something. The standard equipment for a criminal includes a crowbar, a set of dark common clothes, when it includes a hood, and a pouch of 15 gold. So where folk heroes have the defining moment, the criminal has a criminal specialty, ranging from blackmail to pickpocketing, even to hired killer. Your feat for this background is criminal contact, uh, which means you have a reliable, trustworthy person who can kind of act as a liaison into the criminal network. So this means that you can get messages to others covertly and quickly through that criminal network. Uh, criminals are fun. Let's be honest, who doesn't love the bad guy? Uh, at least the bad guy gone good. The struggle to abandon that extreme while still walking that gray area can be fun to role play. Fighting against your years of tainted activities to emerge a dark hero and save the world. Yeah, that's the stuff legends are made of. Anyhow, the last one I'll talk about is the Outlander. So imagine you grew up far from civilization, living off the land, just being one with the wilds. You have a keen appreciation and a healthy fear for nature, but nature is a part of who you are. You can survive anywhere because you know how the wild works and you know how to make it in the wild. So the skill proficiencies for the Outlander are athletics and survival. You get one musical instrument as your tool proficiency and you get to choose one other language to learn. The standard equipment for the Outlander is a staff, a hunting trap, a trophy from an animal you hunted, some traveler's clothes, and a pouch of tin gold. So the Outlander has an origin instead of a defining event or criminal specialty, which can be a forester, homesteader, maybe a bounty hunter. Um, I mean, that sounds fun. <laughs> bounty hunter. Tribal nomad. The list goes on. Now, this isn't a place because the Outlander travels all over. What the origin tells you is what that occupation the character had during his or her time in the wild. So I enjoy an outlander because they live a simple yet exciting life. They travel the countryside living off the land. It's rustic and appealing, and being able to survive anywhere is a powerful, powerful talent to have, for sure. Well, that's all for this episode. Um, hope it was entertaining, maybe a little educational. Uh, you know, thanks to applications like D&D Beyond, it's much easier than it used to be to create a new character. But I feel like because of that, Chapter 4 gets overlooked way too much. If you're about to embark upon a new campaign, your first campaign, or even if you're in the middle of a campaign, spend some extra time on this chapter and really dig in so that you can understand your character's psyche. I think that makes a role play so much more valuable. Anyhow, if you've enjoyed this podcast, consider supporting me go to geektastic.link slash support. If you're listening to my podcast on Apple, Stitcher, one of those, uh, be sure to like and share it with your friends. Uh, if you can, leave a comment. I love comments. 
Join me on social media or send me an email. Go to geektastic.link slash contact. And finally, leave me a voicemail. You can leave me a voicemail literally on the internet. Click the button, leave me a voicemail at geektastic.link slash voicemail. Remember to be kind to each other. Have fun and always, always stay geektastic. <laughs>